sports interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Welcome to Game Over Montreal. As usual, I am Andrew Berkshire, and your Montreal Canadiens just put on one hell of an effort against a team that should be contending for a cup, or at least is trying to contend for a cup, uh, in the Pittsburgh Penguins. It was probably the best game that they've played all season so far. I guess it's only four games, but still, all season. Can count the preseason in that too. And uh, engineer to comeback win. It, there's a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about, you know, Caulfield and Suzuki and the pairing that is continues to give results no matter how little help they get overall. We're going to talk about Mike Hoffman because it's just too funny not to talk about Mike Hoffman. And uh, we're going to talk about the three defensemen who continue to stand out every single game on this team. But first of all, you want to bet? You can do it at Sports Interaction, Canada's sportsbook. Football continues. The World Series is around the corner, and they have dropped the puck on the hockey season. Bet pregame, live in play, or one of our many prop bets. I suggested a bet earlier in this game of uh, Nick Ritchie outscoring Austin Matthews in October, a prop bet. And it seemed like Dave Bassel at Sports Interaction kind of loved that. So we'll see if we can get some odds on that one coming up soon. Uh, made for Canadians by Canadians, Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. Ontario only, 19+. plus. Please play responsibly. And if anyone you know or is in your family or loved ones have a gambling addiction there are resources available in the description of this video to help them out please make them available to them all right uh, i got to introduce our guest tonight jared book from habs eyes on the prize and nicola cloutier from tv Aspor. how are you guys doing today pretty good well we have to be doing well right <laughs> it, you got to enjoy the rare wins because they're going to be relatively <laughs> yeah. rare at least it's yeah. fun, right? Like, even if they would have lost in overtime, it's That's fun. That's a good point. And, and, you know, like pretty early last year, we know we knew this is this was heading towards a rebuild. But last year was no fun. Well, this is still yeah. a rebuild. There's no expectation at all like to make the playoffs. But the process is different. The results are different. And the hope is different as well. And we know, guys, we talk a lot about the – the offense. We're going to talk about Dak Hoti goal, the 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 drawing pass, and how Suzuki and Cole Caulfield are are doing well. But in in this kind of season, I like to look at trends because the result don't matter as much. And the trend that is the the, the strongest trend I see uh, with the Canadians right now is the defense and how it's been only how uh, it's been holding up. Because what did we say about the defense at the beginning of the season? Oh, it was a young defense. It's going to leak leak chances. And it's not what's happening at all. Like the Babs have played fairly good offensive teams so far, and the defense have been has been holding up so well with young defensemen. Yeah, and I, I want to talk about the defense a lot, but I, I want to save it for last. I, the first thing <laughs> I want to talk about is Mike Hoffman because yeah. I kind of want to get the negative out of the way so we can focus on the fun. <laughs> sure. Because yeah, I'm not sure how Mike Hoffman, I know they want to sell him at some point, right? So you have to maintain some sort of value, but I'm not sure how they can justify keeping this guy in the lineup. And full disclosure, I thought he had like some really decent plays in the first period, but as the game went on, it's just, I've never seen anybody like this guy. He is a gaff machine. And the play that stood out to me most, there was a terrible play on the power play in the third where he just like 
whiffed on it and cleared the zone, which he does almost every power play. <laughs> but it was Slavkovsky who was having a pretty strong game, driving yeah. the middle, and then Hoffman reached out and poke checked him <laughs> and took the puck away from Slav. And it's like, what defensive where, superstar? Where'd defensive they get this guy, Mike Hoffman? Yeah, and faceoff specialist too, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Like they showed it on the broadcast, like the face-off probabilities, and and they had him hired and Sidney Crosby at the dot. <laughs> Honestly, I burst out laughing when when I saw that. And Andrew, it's funny that you say, well, they're they're they're, they're trying to sell him, and how uh, do you keep him uh, in the lineup? Well, I'm gonna say, how do you manage to sell him as well? Yeah. And that that looks like the territory they're going they're gonna have to end up going right, like because. It's yeah. one thing to try to get value for a player or even clear cap space. But I in this flat cap world, I don't know who's paying for a 4.5 million dollar Mike Hoffman. Well, they gave a first round pick just to like uh, get rid of Monahan's contract if that tells you something. Yeah. They should use that pick so why to would Hoffman. It, why would any team take Mike Hoffman's contract at this point? They should take they should take the pick from Monahan and give it trade it for Hoffman. <laughs> No, you got to keep as many first round picks as you can. I feel like it'd, it'd be easier to just buy him out, right? Have you seen the conditions on that first round pick? Who cares? Have you seen it's the conditions? <laughs> I mean, the fact that they got a first to take on Monaghan, yeah, I mean, it's... he's been great. And the conditions are actually smart. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if no, you they, want yeah, to yeah. look at him and, like, get yeah. a real headache. Yeah, it, it's it's actually, I, I think, like, Ken Hughes, like, outlawed Trey Living on that one. Yeah. And he just like, yeah. and, and Trey Living is like, I'm not going to read all that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably what happened, to be honest. Yeah. 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 It's, it's quite the crazy deal. And, you know, somebody mentioned Petrie in the chat here uh, from Thomas. I feel bad for Jeff Petrie because I think outside of the penalties, he had a pretty strong game, but the only penguin to take penalties and he takes three of them, including in overtime. Jeff, yep. how? <laughs> He was always good against the Penguins in overtime, so it's true. I guess he heard the one last time, man. Well, I was joking around that he was going to set up Caulfield on a, a turnover because he's so used to setting up Caulfield in overtime. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I guess it set up Doc instead. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mind Petrie's game, but to be honest, like it's not like I I miss Jeff Petrie personally. Like when I see like our defense is holding up. Yeah, I mean, it's and also like a rebuilding team. The, yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. I, I wasn't like, oh, yeah, like, this guy is missing on the team right now. Yeah, I feel like they're definitely missing a number one. But, uh, yeah, I, I, they need to be rebuilding anyway. So maybe that's the reasoning <laughs> yeah. for keeping Mike Hoffman, right? Is you need somebody to be the tank commander this season. And <laughs> he's pretty effective at it. Very effective at it. Maybe maybe he's like the, the new Taylor Hall, where whatever team has Taylor Hall just wins the lottery. Maybe <laughs> the Canadians are hoping that Mike Hoffman becomes some kind of good luck charm. Well, it's a dangerous game, though, because I got to say, he's kind of ruining like Slavkovsky's development if they're on the same line. And I kind of feel for, for the guy because he had a fairly good first period, but they don't put him with the good players. They don't put him with creative players, but... And with as few ice time as as he's getting, he still manages to get like a, a couple of good looks. So it'd be interesting to see him like get some looks on the power play, get just just get some more opportunities in general. Because 
if you're not gonna do uh, gonna do that, might as well send him to Laval, you know? Yeah, I think and I think send him to Laval though. Yeah, I think he's going to Laval after the ninth game. And there was some confusion yeah. uh, two episodes ago between uh, the people that we had on. It was uh, Mark Dumont and H- and Hetty uh, talking about Slavkovsky and going to the American Hockey League and uh, the slide rule, essentially, which uh, for mm. some reason people in the I think it was Mark was confused and some people in the chat were confused about what that means. Basically, it's only available to European European players who aren't uh, property of like a CHL team. So mm-hmm. if they send Slavkovsky to the American Hockey League, his three-year entry-level contract, if they send him before the 10th game, does not activate. And he just, that contract slides to the next year, so they get him three years for cheap plus this yeah. year in the AHL. It's the same... It's the same rule when you send down juniors, right? It's why Shane Wright's yeah. probably going to go down before the 10th game, too. It's just that yeah. because he's from Europe, they can send him to the AHL as opposed yeah. to Europe or, or things like that, right? So yeah. it's it's a benefit for sure because, you know, if you compare the experience that Shane Wright's going to have in, in Kingston uh, as opposed to what Slavkovsky is going to have in Laval and you have the same benefit at the end of it, um, yeah, I'm not. I don't want to compare the two players. I'm not beating down that bush. I'm just saying that it's a benefit to have him in Laval, and you know, even have the option to call him up um, as well. Because as long as you, because there's there's two things you have to keep in mind with Slavkovsky is that it's there's the ten games for the entry level contract to slide, but there's also forty games on the roster, and if he doesn't get that, he gets an extra year before unrestricted free agency. Right. Um, like like what yep. is happening with Kirby Doc is why he has an extra year, um, before unrestricted free agency. So there's kind of two markers, um, to look at with Slavkovsky. So, um, I, I don't think the Canadians care too much about the entry level deal, but I think they will care about that extra year <laughs> before unrestricted free agency, especially when it comes to you know I don't think they're going to bridge him either, right? So, um, buying less years there is is, is a benefit too. But yeah, I mean. I understand wanting to see Slavkovsky in offensive positions, but I think that they're literally just trying to teach him what he needs to work on um, yeah, right now. So it, it doesn't bother me. Like, it's not like, it's not like, uh, you know, Victor Mete situation or, or Alex or yeah. even Esperi it, Like, it does, he, they're not trying to win anyway. So it, it, we, we know that they're going to send him to Laval. They're not going to keep yeah. him playing nine minutes a game for 82 games, which was a, a problem with, Kakinyemi especially is that they just refuse to send him down at the first sign of struggle. Um, so I, I think the expectations are a little bit different there, and uh, obviously this this administration, this management team is a lot more focused on player development. Uh, and you know, and you know, yeah, yeah, that's very fair, Jared. And I didn't mind him actually, like him being put on the fourth line because if you play a lot of five v five and you actually roll the lines well, it can get like a pretty decent amount of ice time. But when the special teams get going, that's where it, it gets tough for him, like to get some ice time. But th- the the thing I'm worried about is when he plays about like ten minutes per game. Uh, yeah. To to see some kind of uh, growth curve uh, for a player, I'd like to see like at least like. 12 to 15. I'm not look. I'm not asking for like uh, an exaggerated amount of ice time, but just some reasonable minutes there. But 10 minutes for a, for a developing player seems a bit low for me personally. Yeah, I agree. I would have liked to see him get a little bit more ice in this game specifically because he, I thought was really bringing it and seemed to be making some good plays, especially in the offensive zone. He had some yeah. good uh, defensive plays exactly. as well. Yeah. He made a play in the first period where he kind of, he took the puck along the boards 
and he purposely skated into traffic along the boards, uh, like pulling in a penguin four checker. Yeah. But before the penguin four checker realized, he'd put the puck back between his legs to I think Kovacevic, who then immediately like cleared the zone yep. very easily. And it's like smart little plays like that. That you know who he reminds me of right now. It's not a great comparison in terms of like offensive. Uh, impact right this second because when he broke in when, when he first got his first cup of coffee uh, Max Pacioretty put up a lot of shots but couldn't score but you remember that yeah. those first two times that he was called up he scored like three goals and then three goals in like a huge batch of games he couldn't really like connect the offense and didn't you to... say I might as well go to Hamilton right now yeah yeah <laughs> and he was frustrated <laughs> right? like that. but you like, could tell Slavkovsky said that <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Jeez. I feel like it wouldn't play very well this early. Yeah. But like Pacioretty, I feel like you could tell just like Slaff, like there, there are some things that aren't quite connecting, but there's a player there. And he re- yeah. reminds me a lot of Pacioretty in that way. Yeah, yeah I, I think, you know, you have the, my impression of Slavkovsky since, you know, basically even rookie camp is just a guy who's getting used to his body still, right? Yeah. Like he's so big and he's. My my first my first I not fear but my first worry was when I saw his weight at yeah, at, tra- at, at training camp was like oh like is he gonna be able to move on the ice and as, as soon as I saw him skate I'm like oh he's good it's okay yeah, and, right. and I think that he's just getting used to it right like he's a guy he didn't go through like a, a huge growth spurt necessarily but I think he's just a guy who's trying to figure out how to use his body and you know you mentioned Bachelorette. There's another guy in the Canadians, and I think we're going to talk about him a little bit later, who also took some time to get used to his body, and that's Kirby Doc, right? Yep. And, and I think yep. that he's really starting to get to understand, um, not have the puck like so far out in front of him uh, all the time, and use his reach all the time. Um, and I think that there's something to be said for for guys who are, um, you know, kind of not used to, to really skating and, and and plus the speed level too right like those are things you can get probably get by in in the olympics and things like that because you have that extra second to maybe pull it towards you or, or things like that in the nhl you don't have that opportunity and I, and I think every every minute he plays is good for him um and, and like i said if they were set on keeping him around for 82 games playing 10 minutes a game it's a disaster um but i yeah. think it's pretty clear that they're expecting him to go to laval and play big minutes and uh it'll be really I, i'm i'm already looking forward to seeing matthias norlander and your slikowski play together because matthias norlanders look great in the first two games in laval so it'll be a lot of fun which is good and, news you know, he's i don't mind the, the added muscles yeah I don't I don't mind the added muscles for Slavkovsky because muscles are never going to hurt your skating stride. But the thing is it to me it hurt his, uh, his stability on the ice and he often lost his footing on the ice for for a big guy that 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 surprised me a lot because we saw a lot of that in Kotkaniemi but well he wasn't really matured uh, physically but it's a different story for Slavkovsky, but I feel like that he added so much weight, like so quickly, that like his upper body and lower body seem kind of unbalanced for a little bit. And yeah, oftentimes you would see him down on the ice, but you know he's gonna, you know, during the season, like players lose weight pretty quickly. So I guess he just has to to get started. The, he just has to 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 gain some some uh, some head of steam, and he'll and be uh, it'll be fine from there. But yeah, the the weight thing worried me a bit uh, at the start of the training camp. But you know, uh, I'm not worried about Slavkovsky because the best is to be seen from now. Like he's just getting started, and 
one aspect that Andrew kind of touched on is an underrated aspect of his game, and it's his vision on the ice. He's low-key. He's low-key deceptive on the ice, and I feel like we talked a lot about his shot, his physicality, but that's one aspect of his game that is not talked about enough. Yeah, he's, he's going to be a very he's good a playmaker. playmaker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Which I think everyone expected because of the Olympics him to be like a big shooter, but I think the playmaking yeah. might be the bigger standout uh, as he becomes an NHL player. All right, we're going to move on to especially the top line, but we're going to talk about some positives from the forwards in this game. Uh, but before we do that, I got to tell everybody, if you're liking the stream right now, if you're liking the show, hit like on the YouTube video because that helps us grow and uh, share it on social media. Tell your friends about it because, you know, we're a, a small growing show on a small growing network and we need every bit of help from our SDPN family. So uh, shout us out. This is uh, Andrew Brookshire, of course, on Game Over Montreal with Jared Book and Nicolas Cloutier. And uh, yeah, so one thing that stuck out uh, going into this game, and obviously Doc is not on that line, but that line was on when they scored. Uh, Sean Monahan is the only player who has scored this season without Caulfield and Suzuki on the ice for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. Now, as much as that could be spun as a negative, because obviously nobody else is scoring, I got to <laughs> say, with all the pressure in the world on them, and you know opposing teams are going to put every like high-end matchup against Caulfield and Suzuki, those two are still getting it done. And I can't help but look at that and be incredibly impressed at the beginning of the season. Well, let's put it this way. On the other side of the ice... There was Malkin, there was Crosby, there was Lautan. And if you ask me who the best player was on the ice tonight, it was Cole Caulfield. Now, I'm not even talking about the gold. You know, it was a tap-in. It was an unbelievable pass from Drouin. But just yep. like from the, from the first period, you could see Caulfield had a jump in his game. He was dynamic. He was on every puck. And not even only offensively, even without the puck, he had some good puck battles there. Yeah, I, I think, look, like... There was, you know, coming into the season, there was always the expectation this team wasn't going to be very good, right? And a lot of people were like, oh, is this going to team be too good to not be in the bottom five, say, of the league and, and not have a chance at a, high, at a high pick? To me, it doesn't make a difference. And I go back to the bubble playoffs in 2020, right? Who led that team in the bubble playoffs, right? Who really emerged in that? It was Nick Suzuki, Yasperi Kotkaniemi. And if those guys were the guys to ruin that draft pick and make them pick, you know, 16th, which ironically they picked Keaton Gooley, which, you know, worked out pretty well, yeah. uh, instead of getting a top top 10 pick, if that's the guys that are going to drive you, it's a good result. And if this team wins a few more games because Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield are really good, that's a good thing because this team is going nowhere if they're not, top line players in this NHL. This this rebuild is over before it starts. If Cole yeah. Caulfield, Nick Suzuki are not top line players in the NHL. Actually, With that said, they, though, they ruined the draft pick all right though. Yeah. <laughs> if they ruin it. this one though, like if they actually win too many games and like just get a hair out and miss on Connor Bedard, I feel like there might be some pretty upset people. <laughs> but yeah. it's a lottery anyway, right? Like even yeah. last year, even if you finished last you have more chance of finishing third than you do first, right? Like, it's just it's just the way it works. Like, I don't, like, obviously, if they finish, like, two points out of the playoffs and finish 15th in the lottery, that's bad. Yes. Um, but if they if they finish, like, sixth instead of fifth or, you know, even last year, you know, if a cup, if they get goaltending at any point last year, even when Dominic Duchamp was the coach, 
they don't finish last, right? Like yeah. as bad as last year was, it was everything going wrong for them, right? Like well, I, I it, think you would have put Bradar and Juan the same net last year would have made a <laughs> would have made a difference. Like it, you see, the goaltending issue is kind of the reflection of the defense, and you're seeing it right now. Like Montalbo wasn't that sharp last year; looked pretty sharp to me tonight. Yeah, yeah but at the, at the same goal, time, yeah. If at the same time, how many times were they two nothing down five minutes into games last year? Like I yeah. feel like it happened a lot all the time, right? Like, yeah, they, like I, I, I don't think that Montembeau was as bad as he was last year. I think the defense was really bad last year. Yes, absolutely. But over 82 games, the goaltending should have been a little bit better than it was sure. overall, right? Like, and that's all I mean is like if they win three more games, they're ahead of Arizona. They might even be ahead of Seattle. Like it's it just things like that where they were so bad and just barely finished last where yeah. this year they're going to be better, right? Like, I think all yeah. expectations that over 83 games will be better this year. Um, and I don't know if Arizona and Chicago will I don't, I don't think they have a shot at finishing last, honestly, no. because no. they're, they're going to be just in want the to games. get in the lottery. Yeah, oh, for sure. For sure. It, they're going to be in, like, the, the 26 to, like, 32 range. Because, yeah. like, they're going to lose a lot of games, but a lot of the games are going to be tight, and they're going to be a coin flip. So, yeah. I don't know. It's going to be tough to predict. Yeah, I mean, yeah look, look at the preseason, right? How many 5-4 games do they lose in preseason? That's a perfect result. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of goals, and they yeah. lose. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that. if that's how the season goes most of the time, that I think a lot of fans will be okay with that. Yeah, yeah. that's true. And I think the number one thing that I, fans should be clamoring for right now is to get Cole Caulfield signed to an eight-year deal because that price <laughs> is not going down. It's not going oh, yeah. down from where it is right now. Like, I think right now, if they sign him to like an eight by eight, they can probably get it done. But by the end of the season, when he's at 40 something goals, I don't think it's eight by eight anymore. It's well, going to be really interesting. Got it done yesterday, if you ask yep. me. <laughs> I agree. It, so, yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting because this is going to be um, Kent Hughes's first real big negotiation as a GM. And he sat on the other side of that table a lot with a lot of really good players um, so it's going to be very interesting to see. And, and I don't, I don't think he's going to necessarily, um, you know, try and shortchange Caulfield. Like, I, I don't think he's, he's gonna not going to get, get like, a discount either way. Like, no. even if it's like this negotiator, <laughs> this, this whiz of negotiation, it's not going to happen though. No. But yeah, I see where you're going. But, but it'll be interesting because I think, I think the same thing. I think Mark Bergevin, um, for all the, the negative he had in the last, you know, few months of his tenure, signing yeah. Suzuki when he did it. Yeah, saved him a lot of money. Right? Some of the draft sure. picks we're seeing right now. Yeah, they're yeah. from he, Bergevin's era of drafting. It is ironic that uh, Bergevin got fired at the end there, and that's probably when he made most of his best decisions. <laughs> well, no, no, no. That 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 off season was really no, bad. no, no. The off season was terrible. But okay, like the okay. last couple but, yeah. of drafts, that group yes. did all right. Yeah. Grabbed Caulfield, Caden Gooley, you know, and yeah. you know, signing Suzuki. I, yeah. I thought it was a no-brainer, like most of us would, but he still got it done for probably below market value. Like, if he was a UFA right yeah. now, he'd get a lot more than that. But, yeah, they, they got to find a way to get Caulfield signed. And I, it's one of those situations where the one problem with Bergevin negotiating, because most of his contracts that he did sign were pretty good value, especially for his top-end players. Yeah. But none of them ended up very peaceful. Like there was always hard feelings, right? So I feel yeah, like you don't want to yeah. get that with this new contract with Cole Coffin. I feel like we can trust that Ken Hughes and Jeff Gordon aren't <laughs> going to be pissing off uh, Cole Caulfield's camp. I think <laughs> no. the, the money truck's going to come backing up 
Yeah, and, you know, and I think I don't, I don't even know if Jordan Harris is playing for this team if Bergevin <laughs> was still there. Yeah, so that's that's a good point as well. Yeah, I mean, look, Mark Bergevin did uh, look a lot of this prospect pool that people are so excited about was because of Mark Bergevin and Trevor Timmons, right? There's no two ways about that. Like, and it became clear near the end of his tenure that he wasn't going to see the fruits of his labor. It, like, yeah. uh, the Stanley Cup run kind of put a little bit doubt on that. But, uh, you know, prior to that, it was pretty clear that he wasn't going to stay for, you know, 15 years as GM of the Canadians, one way or another. And, and, and I think that, yeah, I mean, you know, a, a lo- the last few months of Bergevin's tenure really, I think, paints a picture of a GM who kind of lost his way. But he did do a lot of good things leading up to that. And, and, and I mean, the, the Canadians are where they are now because of it, right? Like Cole Caulfield, Keaton Gooley, Nick Suzuki. <laughs> like there, there's a lot of good things there that, that he did near the end. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, you can paint, you can paint lines on clear times when Mark Bergman changed course, changed course and there were bad ones and good ones. And, and, you know, there, there was some good and anyone who says he was, always bad or always great is yeah. wrong. You know, it's <laughs> it's more than that, but it, it's always like that with Chief Scout. Like you're yeah. never rewarded for like your last three or four drafts. You pay for <laughs> the mistakes you've done like yeah. five years ago. Yeah. And five years later, like maybe they realize you're good. So it's that kind of business and you have to live with it. Those are the terms. Yeah. yeah. No, I, exactly. I feel like this, this conversation about some of the fruits of Bergevin's last few drafts coming to coming to this team, right? It, it kind of rolls into the next topic that we wanted to talk about, which is the defense. Because yeah. one thing that stood out to me in this game, uh, specifically from Kovacevic, was oh, ha- yeah. him sticking to plays. Where he would make a play where sometimes he would make a mistake, but he would just he would stick to it so hard that he would recover the puck and make the right play after. And that comes with like extreme confidence, right? Not Not just in yourself but in the fact that you're definitely not going to get benched for making a mistake. And that's something that yeah. was a huge issue for Bergevin's entire <laughs> tenure. And we can talk oh, yeah. about whether it's a, a coach's thing the or backing up all the time. Yeah. Always afraid of making a big play, right? Except for the yeah. one guy that they really didn't like and had to trade. Uh, but <laughs> for the most part, guys weren't confident to do that. Now they are. I think that's a huge change in development for defensemen because Frankly, as much as, uh, yeah, Bergevin drafted Caden Gooley and he drafted Jordan Harris too, but yeah. they weren't developed under his regime really, right? right. And they didn't That's develop the a single top four defenseman <laughs> in 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's the issue is that, look, there's, there's drafting and then there's development. And I think Trevor Timmons gets lumped into both for, for better, or for worse. And, and I'm not here to rehash all that, but I think development is so key and the way that you can figure out that the Canadians are so far behind in development is just how refreshing, how everyone is talking right now. Like, like I, I, I even, even down to Laval, like I, I straight up asked Matthias Norlander, what's the biggest difference between last year and this year um, and, and himself. And he's like, I know where I'm going to be. Like, like just not knowing where you're going to be for a whole year. Like that's I management's think. job. Like, what are you doing? Right, like, yeah. what are you doing when you're not communicating to players? Like, yeah, I, well, I'm yeah. like, Jesperi Kakinyemi kept on saying, "Nobody told me why I was benched." W- what's what are you doing? Like, it's 
And, and, I, and I think that development is what held this team back for so long, whether it was Bergevin, whether it was Michel Therrien, um, it was probably a little bit of both, to be completely honest. Um, it, I just think that it's so refreshing. And I think that that's part of the reason why Martin St. Louis is the perfect coach for right now. When this team is ready to contend, will he have the tactics down? Will he have the strategy down to run a bench and win games? We don't know. But he has three years to develop talent and then three years to develop that. Like, I don't, for right now, this is a development organization. So Martin St. Louis is the perfect coach for this right now. And I think that it just goes down, whether it's whoever you hear talk, whether it's Adam Nicholas or Jeff Gorton or Kent Hughes or Martin St. Louis or GF Hool or Marie-Philippe Poulain or Scott Pellerin or anybody, they're all talking the same language. And it's so refreshing because this team is going to be is going to ride or die based on their development. There's no and if, ands, or buts. If you don't develop the talent, and I'm not talking about the Suzuki's and the Caulfields, even though that makes a huge difference. Just look at Cole Caulfield last year. But Depth if you can get too. those, right. If you get that like second tier of like the, you know, Jordan Harris was always a, a solid prospect, but the way he's playing now is just completely different, right? If you can get the Jordan Harris's and a Jonathan Kovacevic, is to to kind of take a step up and be NHL defenseman, you're laughing because you still have yeah. Justin Barron in Laval. You have Matthias Norlander in Laval. Like it's just and a but like if you can get NHL players out of prospects that might make it, because that never happened <laughs> under Mark Bergevin. Never. It was either you were a can't miss prospect or you failed. And, and yeah. tell you what, like talking from people around the league. I could tell you that there was no plan for the, the development <laughs> with the Montreal Canadiens. Like their basic approach to development was having Rob Ramage uh, take the prospects for coffee or for dinner. <laughs> that was their approach to development. That was it. Like there was no like uh, there was no framework involved or whatever. There was no planning one step ahead. Uh, and obviously, obviously that's changed and now there, there are resources, but there was really not much of an old school mentality there because Berger Bank kept saying like young players, they have to make decisions for us. But the way he was saying it is we're not going to do anything for you. Like you do everything and we're going to take a, de a decision based on that, but we're not going to like provide any resources to you for you to upgrade your game. And, yeah. and you saw that, right? Look at Alex Galchenyuk, Jesperi Kotkaniemi. They both had real success in the NHL. Like, like Kotkaniemi's first season was good, right? Yeah, he was Galchenyuk's first season? Galchenyuk he, had like that goals. 2013 season, he had the highest points per 60 of any teenager yeah. Yeah. in the NHL since Sidney Crosby. Yeah. yeah. And like right. to, to he, not he make bank on that because he's not good defensively? Figure but it the out. Issue, the issue was, is Mark Bergman said two things, and Nick, you mentioned a couple of them. He also always said, we give every prospect the same tools, and the NHL is not a development league. That's a problem. You know? <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, the, yeah. like it, it, you can tell that they thought the NHL wasn't a development league because Kinyami and Galchenyuk got worse in the NHL, yep. <laughs> which doesn't – that doesn't happen with 18, 19-year-olds in the NHL. It just doesn't happen. Um, and, and I think that that's a complete change of – Look, Cole Caulfield last year is a perfect example of that. He was no, like, he had no comp. Like, there's things you can do as a coach and an organization to give him confidence. And it's not just send him to Laval and hope he scores, <laughs> right? Like, exactly. that's not the solution. No. Nope. And 
it, it is a coincidence, but it's also not a coincidence that he started scoring right after the coaching change. You know, like the, yeah. <laughs> it happening right then <laughs> is too funny, but. And, and yeah. I, I think Cole Caulfield's last game under Ducharme before Ducharme <laughs> got fired was his best game of the season to that point as well. It was. Like, yeah. I, I know, you I know that the, narr- like, the, yeah, the narrative like is that, yeah, Ducharme got fired, but, but that first game, he didn't score in that game, but that was his best game in a long time. And he was, he went back to Wisconsin. He had some time to kind of reset. And I think that played a part in it as well. But I think having the, the freedom that he ended up getting under San Luis. And you know what? Well. That wasn't that was not entirely on Dushan meter. It was like no. a, a, the whole yeah. philo- philosophy from the top. Like you had to burn Absolutely. it all down. Yeah. Yep, hundred percent. And you know that old school philosophy of like they have to fight fight their way to the top. There are a lot of people <laughs> yep. around the NHL who figure it out, who think that way, right? But yep. when you're an organization like the Montreal Canadiens, who has, you know, like at least from what they say, historically trouble attracting unrestricted free agents, <laughs> uh, you know, has to pay more for some guys because there's higher taxes yep. taxes in Quebec, which frankly is not actually true if you have a good accountant. But anyway, if if you have those restrictions on you already, or like some players don't want to play here because they don't want to speak French, which is crazy because it's Montreal, you don't even have to speak French. <laughs> You know, it's so easy to live here. It's a great city. But if you have those restrictions in your mind, then you have to make bank on every possible prospect that you bring into the organization. You have to give them every possible resource to squeeze blood from a stone. And refusing to do that and invest in that is crazy. Like, there's no salary cap on those resources you provide. Like, you're not limited. And the Montreal Canadiens are are supposed to be the Yankees of the NHL. So so they yeah. have to throw money, like whatever yeah. money you have in bank, you throw it in the yeah. development in all facets of the game. You have to be out of the curve everywhere compared to every other NHL team. Yeah. That is the standard that is set in Montreal. Yeah. Yeah. And look, like you could look at even their drafting because it plays hand in hand. Like they did take some home run swings, right? Like Michael McCarron was uh, like he wasn't. Everyone's like, "Oh, he's was big, it, so it's though? a safe pick." No, but it, it, it was it a wasn't pretty a safe off pick. the board pick. It, it was off the board, but it wasn't safe. Is what I'm but it was like, the wrong people, kind of home run swing, though. Well, they, were, also, they were just trying to go for the wrong kind. Scenes, though, it, what happened behind the scenes, though, is Bergevin literally went up to Timmons and he was like, "Yeah, just draft me the biggest center." Yeah. And Timmons was but, like, but, but "Well, also, like there are some pretty good players available on the board, Mark. Yeah. I don't know if you want to do that." It was like, "No, no, no, yeah, fuck off. Like, just draft the yeah. biggest center." Yeah, but I mean, like, even doing that, like, because the, the centers you can, were you can like get away with involved it? physically against the Abs during that yeah. series, and like they they, they reacted yeah. to that pretty much. And, and you can you can also get away with that if you have a plan in place. Like the the Canadians took Yuri yeah. Slavkovsky with a plan in place. Like they yeah. didn't yeah. just take him because they thought he was the best player, right? They took him because they're like, we can make this guy better going forward. And he had a plan for it. Like you, if you try and hit home runs, the draft and you use the development system, the Canadians have, it's like going up to bat against Randy Johnson with a pencil as yeah. your bat. <laughs> like it's, 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 you're not going to get any anything away from it. Well, and if you want to see a success yeah. story of like development, look at Soderblom in Detroit, right? Like when we had Hattie Kalakesh <laughs> yeah. on, a couple yeah, times, a couple games ago, like he was talking about how, like a couple years ago, he was like, there was no player there. There was like a, a f- around the edges, you could see something, <laughs> but Detroit just focused in on him, and now he he's like a cheat code. It, I don't know how yeah. good he's gonna be, but he looks like he has the potential to like break the league. And, and you know what? 
McCarron actually showed promise during his first season in yes. the American Hockey League. I thought he had some skill for a big guy, and I actually like saw some potential as a, a an eventual Agreed. fourth line or yeah. third liner, like not a top six guy, but I saw something, and I didn't. I, I can tell you what, like, I didn't see anything like the following years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, and, you know, Ryan Paling, Ryan Paling on the other side tonight was is another example of that, right? Like he had flashes. Right, he had flashes of being a, a solid, you know, maybe even a middle six NHL player, like at times, but you couldn't tell that nobody helped them <laughs> to get better. Yeah. Like it just was not get. Like, look, you don't become the MVP at the World Juniors and then lose all your skill. Like, it just no, doesn't no, happen. Like, not. and and it wasn't like he wasn't translating. It wasn't like it was like it didn't work out. It just he just went from that to zero, right? And. and it took him like two, three years in Laval to even start scoring again. Like it was just such a, such a weird development path. And I think that, yeah, everything you can point to in terms of why the Canadians are where they are, it's because they just couldn't develop anybody other than can't miss prospects. Yeah. And I think we're seeing things there start to change already, which is crazy. Yeah. You know, part of that is luck, like having a guy like Caden Gooley who slots in and four <laughs> games into his NHL career, I plays tw- almost 25 minutes hard matched against Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. Insane. And he was incredible He's carrying tonight. David Savard. He's oh carrying David God. Savard. He was phenomenal tonight. Like, and... I'm actually wondering, like, when Madison comes back, does he still slot in as the number one defenseman on this blue line? He might. Well, not, I mean, yeah, he might. Not every night. He's a horse on the Gooley's ice. going to be yeah. number one. Look, I said it on I said it on Twitter, and I, everything I've said, seen from King Gooley in the last six months has convinced me that he literally is going to be a star in this league. And I'm not saying yeah. star as in Kale McCarr or or things like that, but he's going to be that defenseman that you can pencil yeah. in for 25 well minutes your lineup for 15 years. Yeah. Like, if, like you don't have to worry about him. He, he's kind of like, I don't want to say he's Shea Weber, but like Shea Weber, you can put in lineup for 25 minutes a night and not worry about him. That's how you yep. feel about Keaton Gooley. Like, he's going to be a, such a good defenseman. He can skate too. Like, I think there's un, I think there's untapped offensive potential in Gooley as well. Like, there's so much to be said about his defense, but I think his skating for his size is unbelievable. Like, not for his size. His skating is great. And the fact that he combines that with great size is, 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 you know, you mentioned yeah. Sotomayor as a cheat code. It's a cheat code for Gooley too, right? Like guys yeah. that big shouldn't skate like that. <laughs> it yeah. just, I follow the prospects a lot for TV Aspar. And one thing that was said about Gooley uh, in his draft year is how strong he was defensively, but maybe there was some limitation to his offensive game. And you know what? Like from his draft year, I never doubted his offensive skills because the, the tools were there. He was he was so athletic as a D man. He had a good he had a good skating stride. And he, had, and he had a good shot. And tonight we saw him involved and offensively. He took what like seven shots on net. It's, yeah, it's, it's like, crazy. I, there was actually a comment here in the stream chat from Jeffrey B. He says he can be our Jacob Slavin, and I think that's a fantastic comparable. Yeah, that's it's true. like a, an yeah. excellent shutdown defenseman who's mostly a defensive defenseman, but also has surprisingly good offensive numbers. Yeah. And that's actually a fantastic five, five, comparable. And not on the power play, yeah. Well, even the power play got better when he was out there. Yeah, so. that's true. Poor Chris Weidman, you know, the one <laughs> I mean, thing he's brought into it, it can't yeah, get worse this, yeah. than it was, but still, it got better. It probably <laughs> would be quarterbacked by Lane Otson anyway, so it, it's a mood yeah. point. <laughs> yeah, if all goes well, if all goes well. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah, there's there's so much to look forward to with this prospect group, and frankly, yeah. we're gonna see it this season uh, just on the defense. Even when uh, Slavkovsky is, I would say, inevitably sent down. There's so many young players; yeah. they're gonna be exciting. I I think at some point we're probably gonna see Jesse Yolonen make the NHL permanently this year. I think he's. You look at his underlying numbers, both in Laval and with the Canadians. I think he's he's gonna get there. He might already be here if they didn't have so many contracts that they can't he's, move. That's true. He's what that's everyone true. wants Mike Hoffman to be, right? Yeah. Like Mike Hoffman is like that guy who can shoot and and be involved in the play. Jesse Linen is that guy, right? Like he's he's a he's a good Mike Hoffman. Not like I don't want to rag on Mike Hoffman too much, but like what Mike Hoffman, what his strengths are. Is exactly what Jesse Ullman could bring to a team too, right? Like, but you know what? I didn't, mind, I didn't mind Mike Hoffman with the Senators. I didn't mind Mike Hoffman with the Panthers. But the guy <laughs> aged like milk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that skill set. That skill set doesn't age. I don't think. I think that that's no. an age. I mean, that's the thing. When when your primary skill is like scoring from a distance, right? Like, eventually teams can pretty <laughs> easily adjust to that, and yeah. you don't get into the slot. You're not a good passer because he's he's a terrible passer. <laughs> Doesn't bring much defensively. I will say in the neutral zone, he's pretty good at takeaways. Like when he's That's on true. his game, he can he can force some takeaways. But yeah, he's Mike like Hoffman. he's like that he's like that baseball pitcher who like threw like ninety eight for years, and now he's down to like ninety two, and his fastballs are straight, and yeah. it's very hittable. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, just that, like that little change is actually too much. Yeah to survive yeah. right like it's like it's like when you see guys who are really good in the ahl and then that speed difference in the nhl just completely zaps their opportunity like yeah. charles Udall is a good example of that right like in the ahl he was Corey Locke, he, yeah yeah like yeah. charles Udall, like in the ahl was a legitimate star in the ahl and then as soon as he gets to yeah. the nhl like that That's at true. split second of difference just makes it, it's so weird because you don't notice the speed difference when you're watching games side by side but like you just don't have that time that you you would have normally and i think yeah. it just makes a difference when when players age as well it's just who had that guy in detroit like kind of random but timo polkinen like oh yeah he was he like a scoring phenom like he tore the ahl <laughs> but whenever he would get called up in the nhl <laughs> he couldn't do it yeah, yeah chris there's terry is another example of that like, lots of guys, of guys like, like that, that yeah. yeah tons of guys like that all right guys i want to thank everybody for joining us here today uh, thank you to Nicola and Jared because it's always so much fun talking to you guys. Before we close it out, do you guys have anything coming up that you want to promote or anything uh, specifically you want to talk about? We'll start with uh, Nicola. Uh, yeah, sure. Well, we're going to be uh, doing a lot of pros- uh, prospect profiles ahead of the draft. So uh, I'll be uh, I'll be writing about Gabriel Perrault, who is uh, the youngest of the, the Perrault right now. You know, his, his uh, brother Jacob got drafted by the Ducks. But Gabriel is playing for the U.S. in TDP right now. He's a really exciting prospect, and he might get drafted in the first round, too. Fantastic. Jared? Thank you for not mentioning who his dad is, please, uh, Nick, to make us feel old. Uh, but, uh, um, <laughs> Who's yeah, his dad? I, I, Who's I, I, his dad? Make us feel old, Jared. Yo, uh, I'll make you feel older. Gabe Perot was born during the lockout of 2004-2005. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel old when I see kids play in the World Juniors that are like born after nine eleven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh man. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, uh, halves eyes on the prize uh, dot com. We the the coverage doesn't stop with with games. Um, we'll, we'll be all over prospects, uh, Laval, the Canadians. Um, lots of fun stuff coming up, and um, yeah, it's it's always a good time. 
All right, we'll catch you, everybody, on Thursday as the Canadians welcome the Arizona Coyotes on their Eastern Canada swing in the, the first edition this season of the greatest tank battles of 2022-2023. We'll see who comes out on top, and by on top, I mean who loses and gives the other team <laughs> two points in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. All right, everybody, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you then.